Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show, Better Than Before, on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. And now, coming out of the cold, just to join me, is my favorite little polar bear, my producer, Lori Houston. Hi, Lori. Wow, now I'm a polar bear. <laughs> That's my favorite, my favorite animal, just so, just to let you know. They're so nice and soft and cuddly. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and they take the cold so well. So is it is it cold enough for you today, right? Uh, yeah, it's cold enough. It is indeed. So um, I must say, just a quick bit of news before we get to our really amazing guests. My new book, Long Live You, A Step-by-Step Guide to Looking and Feeling Better Than Before, is now out for pre-order on Amazon. Ta-da! And um, Lori, as you and I have talked before, overcoming obstacles and living the life you want to live doesn't just come from eating kale and thinking happy thoughts, right? <laughs> um, you, you need a multifaceted approach, which is what being better than before is all about. And my approach has nine rungs, which are the rungs of my ladder to a better quality of life. Um, each rung is a lifestyle discipline that includes a doctor's advice, emotional well-being, proper nutrition, exercise, beauty, natural healing, spirituality, and giving back to others. And the idea is to take a suggestion from each of the rungs and visualize yourself climbing up this ladder uh, to a life that is better than before. And everyone has their own challenges in life, and we all need help. And and this is my way of offering that to you. So take a look, everyone. It's at Amazon.com. The book is called Long Live You, A Step-by-Step Plan to Look and Feel Better Than Before. Now, speaking of someone who has overcome challenges that very, very few of us have ever experienced in our lives, our guest today is Amy Purdy. And she'll tell you all about this herself, but very briefly... At age 19, she contracted a form of bacterial meningitis, the net-net of which caused a sepsis infection that led to the amputation of both her legs before the knee, uh, uh, under, below the knee. She was in a coma for three weeks. She lost her hearing. Her organs shut down. Doctors had given her only a, a less than 2% chance to survive since her sepsis was so advanced. But not only did she survive, she went on to become a world-class snowboarder and a 2014 Paralympic bronze medalist. And she was also a runner-up in Dancing with the Stars and is now the author of On My Own Two Feet, The Journey from Losing My Legs to Learning the Dance of Life. And you also probably saw her in one of the most popular commercials ever on the Super Bowl, the one she did for Toyota. And, of course, Amy's latest adventure will be sharing her remarkable story alongside Oprah Winfrey as part of Oprah's The Life You Want Tour. And, by the way, Oprah calls her a hero, and you'll all see why very soon. Uh, We're thrilled to have her right here, right now with us today. I am totally in awe of this woman, and I will never complain about anything ever again, Lori. (laughs) Hi, Amy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi, thank you. Uh, and by the way, I complain all the time. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, but you, know, you have. At least you have something to complain about. <laughs> we complain about things no, like the weather. Yeah. 
<laughs> we all do at times. It's <laughs> all relative. Um, now, I briefly touched on your story, but of course, we all want to hear it from you directly. So you were fine. You were healthy. In fact, you were a massage therapist, right? And then suddenly at 19, you got so very sick. What happened? Yeah, so I was actually, I was a massage therapist. I decided to go to school for massage the day after I graduated from high school is when I started. And I grew up in Las Vegas. I moved to Salt Lake City um, to go to massage school. I loved my job. And, and I ended up moving back to Vegas and working at a world-class spa, um, Canyon Ranch. And at that time, I was the youngest massage therapist hired. I was making great money. I loved giving back. I loved helping to um, make other people feel better and uh, just kind of the healthy environment of all of it. And I, uh, I went to work one day feeling great, just as normal. And typically, I would do maybe five to seven back-to-back massages and still have enough energy to maybe go to the gym afterwards. But this day was different. Um, after about my third massage, I was exhausted. And I actually at first blamed it on the poor guy who I was massaging because, you know, sometimes people can give you energy and some people just absolutely drain you. And I thought, geez, it's this guy. He's just draining me. What is going on? But over the next hour or so, as I went on uh, my lunch break, I started to feel a little bit more run down. My back was achy. My neck was achy. Um, So I went home from work early And uh, within 24 hours of that first symptom, I was in the hospital on life support, given less than a 2% chance of living. And, uh, you know, come to find out it wasn't the flu. It was was something called meningococcal meningitis, which I had never heard of before. So um, pretty crazy. And to know, too, that you can protect yourself against it with a vaccination. That's another thing that's, that was quite interesting about it. All right, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Did you know someone who had it, or was this just random that you, that you got it? I mean, it's pretty random. Uh, so they say that one in four people are carriers. That's 25% of the population. So it's actually quite a common bacteria, but it's just not that common to get sick from. Um, the bacteria lives on your nose and your mouth. It's transmitted like the flu or the cold. So for all I know, I could have been standing in the elevator at work and somebody sneezed on me and my immune system didn't fight it off and, and that's how I contracted it. Oh. So, yeah. I'm, a big, I'm a big hypochondriac. Now I'm going to check everyone who's standing next to me in the elevator right? <laughs> or at well, the Canyon Ranch. Know. It's one of those <laughs> things true. you just, you know, you just don't know. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's a very common bacteria. We, we have a lot of deadly bacteria that lives on us. I mean, I remember working with an infectious disease doctor and, you know, he's like, you're lucky that you live to 20, you know, before contracting something because there's so much deadly bacteria amongst us all the time. And this is one of them. And this is, this is one that our body naturally becomes immune to at some point. Well, hopefully becomes immune to. Um, and so that's why we're not all sick from it, but for whatever reason, I just happened to be in that age group um, that was that was more susceptible, which for some reason, um, if you're in college and you're college age, you know, somewhere, well, actually in school age, somewhere between 11 and say 21, you're a little bit more susceptible than, than the rest of the population. And I was 19. So that's kind of the only thing that that I, right. you know, right did wrong age. was <laughs> be 19 yeah. years old. Be 19, right? 
Um, but, you know, you said in your book that your legs didn't disable you. If anything, they enabled you by planting your feet on the spiritual path that you were meant to walk. That's very beautifully said. And your journey is definitely a testament to the capacity we all have to dream bigger, defy expectations, and and rewrite our our stories, basically. And, of course, I'd like to rewrite mine to say I, I was a world-class athlete, of course, as Lori knows, right, Lori? We always say we're going to do some extreme sports <laughs> from, our, from our chairs, from our desk chairs. Um, but, you know, I know it's safe to say that if anyone ever went through what you did, they probably would just give up and, you know, never get out of bed. And, and when doctors said you probably would never be able to walk again, what made you then decide that I'm, go, I'm not only going to walk, but I'm going to be a champion snowboarder? How, what, was the, what were the steps that led to your feeling that you could snowboard? So, you know, if somebody had told me when I was young that at the age of 19 I was going to lose my legs, lose the hearing in my left ear, lose my health, lose the life that I knew... I would have said the same thing that you just said, which is there's no way that I would be able to handle that. Um, You know, we really just don't know our own strength until we're forced to use it. And that's kind of what happened in my situation. I, I was faced with losing my life. I was faced with multiple organ failure um, and losing my legs. And to tell you the truth, losing my legs wasn't, wasn't the worst of it. I mean, the worst of it for me was, was that I was in kidney failure. My adrenal glands were hemorrhaging. I was very aware that I was fighting for my life. And so it's interesting how you put things in perspective when you're in that situation. As scary as it is to lose your legs, I had other things to think about, I had bigger things to think about, and that's just getting through the next hour, getting through the next day. Um, and your so dad really, gave you saying, a kidney, right? Your dad gave you one of his kidneys when you were, what, 21? He gave me a kidney, so about, um, gosh, about a year after I left the hospital, about a year, maybe a year and a half after after all of this happened, on my, uh, the week of my 21st birthday, my dad gave me a kidney. And um, but that year and a half leading up, you know, I had just the mission to get back to life. I mean, that was my biggest thing is I wanted to live my life the fullest that I could and, um nothing changed besides the fact that I had gone through, you know, well, I don't want to say nothing changed, but I still had the same goals and dreams and everything that I had, you know, when I had my legs versus when, you know, when the doctors had to take them. So I I remember thinking, I'm still the same person. I still want to do the same stuff that I wanted to do before. I want to travel the world. I want to snowboard. Um, That's, I grew up snowboarding and it was a huge passion of mine. All of my friends snowboarded. It's what I related to. It was a lifestyle. And um, so I pretty much every day asked the doctors when I was in the hospital, when, when can I snowboard again? And, you know, of course, they'd say, well, we've never, we've never seen, you know, somebody with two prosthetic legs snowboard, so we're not sure. And um, I really just started to think, well, why haven't we seen this? Why, why, you know, is it just because somebody hasn't really figured it out? then I'll be the person to figure it out. Yeah, I'm sure that that is probably it. Cause I can't, I have enough trouble walking in the snow. I cannot imagine it's snowboarding period, but how you can't, can you feel the, you can't really feel the board under you. So it wasn't that a, an enormously different sensation when you were snowboarding with your prosthetic legs. How long did it take you to get the feel of it? 
I mean, I'm still getting the feel of it. You know, now it's been 15 years later, and I'm still I'm still adjusting my legs and trying out different feet and and you know trying out different mechanics and ankles. And I, I'm always I'm always working on it. So, um, but yes, at first it was really it was really interesting because I didn't know what to expect. I visualized myself snowboarding again, and I visualized what it would feel like. And it's hard to imagine, you know, the reality of it. I, I visualize myself moving the way that I used to move and, um, you know, just knowing what it was supposed to feel like. And then suddenly I I, I got up there to try, and I, I actually got up on my snowboard um, within that same year. I, I had made the goal as I was going into the emergency room, or, or I take that back, as I was going into the operating room um, when I, I knew I was going to lose my legs, I made the goal that I was going to snowboard that season because I had never missed a season and I, I wasn't about to miss a season, uh, whether I had my legs or not. So I set the school for myself and I made myself accountable to it and stuck to it. And within a couple of months, I was back up on a snowboard, although it was just really challenging. My legs didn't move the, the way that I needed them to. My, my ankles didn't move the way I needed them to. I, um, yeah, my feet weren't on the ground. I mean, although my prosthetic feet were, when you think about it, I was probably a foot off the ground. That's kind of where my natural body ended. And then the prosthetics, you know, were attached to the board. So um, that was an interesting sensation of not being able to feel what was under my feet. But I think over time, I've, I've just become really sensitive to it. It's just, it's really interesting. It, it's, um, it's something I've worked so hard on and I'm so in tune with it and I'm so in tune with my legs. I wanted from the beginning, my legs to never be a burden. I didn't want them to be something that I had to put on. Like, Oh, I have to put my legs on to go, you know, walk to the kitchen or I didn't want to be that person who came home from work and took their legs off right away. Um, I wanted these to be my legs and over time, they became really an extension of who I am. Yeah. And, and then you got an Olympic medal. Everyone I know, well, you know, I guess the whole world, even the athletes who are actually competing, they visualize themselves on the podium um, with the winning the medal, you know, having the medal put around their neck. Um, what was, I mean, you must have been, what an achievement, what an accomplishment to win an Olympic medal. How did you feel on the podium? I mean, just tell me, because that's the way I'm going to feel now when I watch. <laughs> I mean, un- unbelievable accomplishment. Right? Thank you. Um, it, absolutely. And, you know, I think the biggest accomplishment for me, yes, winning a medal was amazing. And I was incredibly grateful for that. Um, but just the whole picture, even having snowboarding in the Paralympic Games, that just the fact that I was there competing in a sport that I loved, um, that was really emotional for me because it had taken a lot of years to get to the point where snowboarding was a part of the Paralympics. Um, I started a nonprofit organization with my boyfriend, Daniel, in 2005 called Adaptive Action Sports, and we train <clears throat> youth, young adults, wounded vets, all with permanent physical disabilities. Um, basically, we train them for snowboarding and also 
um, different types of action sport events. So snowboarding and skateboarding and motocross, um, more of those action sports, because at the time that I lost my legs, there weren't any resources that could help me get back into the sports that I loved. So my boyfriend and I kind of had to figure it out on our own. And then once we figured it out, we started the organization to help other people get involved in these sports as well. And one of our main goals was to get snowboarding into the 2014 Paralympic Games. So we went on this six-year mission, um, basically doing everything we could to train snowboarders to create events. We we ended up getting snowboarding um, into or adaptive snowboarding into the ESPN Winter X Games, which was a huge platform for us to push for the Paralympic Games. And we also organized the first world championships for adaptive snowboarding. So it was this huge process um, to even get to the point where snowboarding was accepted in the games. Yeah, and then but you did it. to be there competing, um, you know, was an dr- absolute dream come true. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. Now, um, speaking of a subject that I I love. Um, the subtitle of your book, On My Own Two Feet, is The Journey from Losing My Legs to Learning the Dance of Life, as I mentioned. Uh, speaking of another dance of life, um, <clears throat> my favorite show of all time is <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. And everyone knows that if they ever dare to call me at 8 p.m. on a Monday night when it's on, they are in serious trouble. <laughs> so, <laughs> And you had Derek Huff, and he is a five-time Mirabal champ because, you know, I keep, I keep track of those things. So, um, you know, asking what your biggest challenge was is maybe an obvious question, but, um, you know, what was it like to be on, on Dancing with the Stars? Tell me everything. It was, yeah, it, I mean, it was, it was incredible. I actually wasn't necessarily a fan of the show. I, I just, over the last few years, I've been so focused on snowboarding and training that I, I am traveling and I had very, you know, little time to actually sit down and, and follow up on the show, although I had seen it before, so I knew a little bit of what it was about. And um, when they first called to see if I was interested, I, I just remember telling them, you know, I love going out and dancing with my friends. I know that I'm motivated by music, and I know I'll have fun with this. But can I actually, actually ballroom dance? I have no idea. I mean, I was definitely concerned from the beginning that my feet wouldn't move the way that they needed to. Um, I remember at one point watching a few of the videos of Derek and, and some of his past partners and just seeing how quickly they moved across the dance floor and how graceful they are and, and how quick their feet moved. And I just remember thinking, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. I just, I cannot visualize it, but I was curious enough to want to figure it out. And um, I was so grateful that I had Derek because we're both, you know, creative and, and, and resourceful. And um, he wanted to figure it out with me. And it was just a journey for us. We didn't go in thinking, okay, we're, we're trying to win this thing. I mean, we just wanted to see what was possible. And kind of each and every week, you know, we got another opportunity to figure out what was possible. And we had to get really creative with my feet because they didn't move the way that we needed them to. Each of the dances are so different and so aesthetically different. Um, To be able to, like, say, for example, the rumba, you have this 
this certain look to your leg and you have to be able to move that way or you're not actually doing the rumba. And my feet didn't move the way that we needed them to. I couldn't get my legs in the right position. But we found that if I wore these feet, that they were actually made for high heels. They were made for four and a half inches. And they're the most <laughs> low They're on the tippy toe, right? They're, they're on well, little tippy toes. Well, not the tippy, tippy, toes. Not oh, the tippy not toe a... ones. You had like lots of different ones. feet. <laughs> yeah, those were different feet. So <laughs> these ones were actually, they're literally like mannequin feet. They're not high-tech whatsoever. Um, they're made of wood and foam, and they're, 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 they're zero ankle motion. There's zero dynamics. I would never want to walk in these feet on a day-to-day basis, but I found that um, when I didn't wear a shoe with them, that I could balance on the balls of my feet and it allowed me to move my hips better and move my knees better and to also kind of drop my heel down towards the floor and get this really straight, almost hyperextended leg look. And so, um, yeah, we just found that by, by getting creative and, and trying out all these different feet that were on the market and just seeing what each one could help me do that we were able to figure it out. And it's so surprising to me when I look back that every single week we figured it out. And at the beginning of each week, we thought it was pretty impossible. I mean, we were obviously open to the possibilities, but it would be so challenging because my legs wouldn't work, things wouldn't work. And, and yet by the end of the week, we would have it figured out every single week. So, um, you know, it was, it was a, an amazing Adventure. Amazing experience. I know Derek had also said that he wasn't even going to compete in, in this that year or this year, and then he, he came back just because of you. Got it. It was a challenge that he wanted to, you know, take the the, the journey with you. And I love you. You did an interview with Ellen, and you said that sometimes you literally lost your feet, and you asked anyone if they had seen your feet. <laughs> You'd call them oh, yeah. and say, "Anybody seen my feet?" And when you broke a toe, it just fell off. I know I broke so many toes and and it's so funny at one point going into the competition I was so particular about the condition that my feet were in and um, you know just making sure that everything was perfect and then by the end of the competition the feet that I was dancing in the toes were gone the (laughs) sole of it was gone because it was made from foam and I would lose bits and pieces throughout the dance studio (laughs) Um, but I, I got to a point where I didn't want to change them because, you know, and I had new ones that had toes and that were ready to go, but I just, I, I got used to them and I thought I'm taking these same feet all the way to the end. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you, at and one you, point Derek was like, this is, this is your mirror ball trophy. You know, this foot with, with no toes and no you know, no soul left. This this is the trophy. <laughs> I have to tell you, when when we watched you and you were wearing like a long dress or or pants, and I mean, you nobody would know that you were compromised in any way. It was just an, an amazing just just to watch you. Um, oh, and how you. many how many hours did you train a day for this? Was it the same as you know training for snowboarding? Was it hours and hours and hours each day? Oh yeah. It was, I mean, it was, you know, it was more challenging than snowboarding because over the last couple of years, I mean, if you get injured snowboarding, you can take a day off or take a week off or, you know, do whatever you need to do. But Dancing with the Stars, it's, it's, if you make it to the end, it's three months. And um, so we danced for about six hours a day, seven days a week for three months straight. 
And if you get injured, you don't take a day off um, because it puts you behind. You have such little time in the first place. And for me, that schedule didn't become challenging or overly challenging until I did injure myself, which I think was about week eight. I um, I ended up, I, I was overworking my my upper back muscles because when you're ballroom dancing, you're you're kind of pushing off of each other. And it's this really kind of micro movement that you do where you're where you're just kind of you have this pressure against each other and over time those muscles just got overworked and uh at one point the muscles spasmed and pulled out a couple of ribs. Oh. Pulled them out of place. And that's when I mean I was in the worst pain of my life and gosh I've already been through so much and I can definitely say I was in the worst pain of my life and I was in the hospital on morphine and to think I have to wake up tomorrow and dance. Um, my, you know, my shoulder was seized up to my ears. It's, it, all the muscles were cramped up, and you know, these these uh, rib heads were out of place. And it was it was so challenging. And I thought, I don't even know. I don't even know if it's possible to make it to the end of the show. Um, you know, I thought I was pretty much done that week. And and then once again, it's amazing what you can work through if you're determined enough to do it. And I was determined to get through each week and I just took it week to week and made it to the end. And actually right before the finale, two days before it happened again. And, um, you know, it, it's just, I think that's the thing that I walked away with is I already had figured out a lot about myself, you know, how capable I was because I had snowboarded and won medals and, but there was something about, um, just the grueling pressure and schedule and pain and the challenge of dancing with the stars and somehow just digging deep and getting through each and every week. Um, it really shows you what you're made of. <laughs> yeah. And you did, you were, you were a runner, you were the runner up, which is you, you went to the, the very, very end. I, I actually took a salsa lesson on Sunday for 45 minutes and that was it. <laughs> I pulled a muscle oh. in my back. I said, never again. And that was for 45 minutes. And that was a beginner class. <laughs> I just learned one turn and that did it. So I, I admire yeah. you in, in so many ways. You, you just, have no idea. Um, so oh, you know what, <laughs> we, Amy, we're going to take a really quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about your campaign, Take Action Against Meningitis, which um, you and your mom, Sherry, and, and Pfizer, actually, you're, you're partnered with you on this. So um, mm-hmm. stay with us, everyone. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more with Amy Purdy. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This portion of the Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts. Express Scripts oversees 1.4 billion pharmacy claims each year. On behalf of employers, health plans, unions, and government health programs, Express Scripts works to make the use of prescription drugs safer and more affordable for the 100 million Americans they serve. Understanding that better decisions lead to healthier outcomes, Express Scripts helps patients make the best drug choices and health choices possible. Their disease-specific pharmacists are here to help you better understand your prescribed therapy, lower your overall health care costs, and, ultimately, stay on the path to better health. For more information, 
visit expressscripts.com. Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins Michael's show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune into Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins Michael and Better Than Before. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show, Better Than Before on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm here, Amy, and um, our guest is uh, Amy Purdy. I'm here with Lori, and our guest is Amy Purdy, who is yeah, getting getting confused. I'm so blown away by your story. Um, uh, Amy Purdy, who is an Olympic athlete, she is a person that we all should aspire to be. She has overcome challenges that none of us really has, have gone through, and 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 come out of, and come out of them quite better than better and even better than before. Um, so. We were talking about before the break, uh, you know, we're going to talk about your campaign, Take Action Against Meningitis, which encourages parents across the country um, to uh, to take a pledge to talk to their health care provider about helping their teen uh, protect them from meningitis. And you mentioned that a little bit in the beginning. So um, how has that been going, this campaign? I, I think that's a very important because, again, you you caught it. Anybody can get it. And we have to protect against it. Right. And um, it's so amazing to be able to work with my mom, for one, and also with Pfizer. And it's it's really surreal for me to think that this disease that almost killed me or that that did, and I talk about it in my book, how I, um, you know, flatlined and died. And but this disease that tried to kill me is is you can protect yourself against it now. And in the past, you couldn't, and now you can protect yourself against it. So um, there's information on the website, takeactionagainstmeningitis.com, and, um, and you can take a pledge, just like you said, that you will talk to your healthcare provider about how to protect yourself, how to protect your family. And um, another great benefit of going onto the website and taking this pledge, all you do is click a button that says, I pledge. You don't have to put your email in. You don't have to put any personal information in. But by clicking that button, um, Pfizer will donate up to $20,000 to the organization that I started, Adaptive Action Sports. And we work with a lot of different athletes with different types of physical disabilities. Um, so you're kind of, you know, you're going to this website to educate yourself, also to learn how to protect your family, and um, and then you're also helping a good cause at the same time. Yeah. So everyone, that's uh, and tell us the website. Take take action against meningitis dot com. Correct. That's, that's right. the website. Okay. Uh, now let's talk about your book uh, on my own two feet: the journey from losing my legs to learning the dance of life. Now, as you probably heard in the intro, I I, I wrote a book. It's very time consuming. Um, it it takes a lot, and and here you are with everything else that you have to do. Um, what made you then decide, well, I have to write a book, too? How did you fit everything in <laughs> to, your, to your schedule? I know. It's crazy. I, I, I look back and I think, gosh, it's amazing what you can cram into one year. Um, you know, a Paralympics and a Paralympic medal, three months of Dancing with the Stars, three months of Oprah tour, which um, you mentioned early on, but I actually I finished that tour in November and um, and then writing this book at the exact same time. So whatever off time I had, I was, you know, I was involved in, in writing this book. And, um, 
it was a huge challenge definitely to to take that on but I definitely felt like it was the right time I this book in a way started writing itself when I went through everything I did when I lost my legs and when I survived everything and I remember thinking at that time I'm going to put this on paper at some point and over the last I'd say 15 years, there would be times when I would sit down and I would think, okay, I'm writing this book. And then I would come to the conclusion that I just didn't live enough life yet. I wanted to live more adventures and experiences to be able to speak about. And um, I'd say about two years ago, I had this strong urge to just get it done. And it, it was such a strong intention that I was going to write this book. I, I told my family, I told my friends, I told you know, my managers, anybody I work with, I told my coaches, my boyfriend, everybody, I said, by the end of 2014, this book is going to be written. And just the way that things worked out, I went on to do Dancing with the Stars, and that was an incredible platform. And the day after that, I got a deal with Harper um, HarperCollins, and I was given a six-week deadline to write this book. And the book happened to come out uh, pretty much the last day of 2014 on December 30th. So oh, six I, um, week deadline to write. And yeah. really, I mean, I complaining yes. that I had four months <laughs> My goodness. I, and I don't even snowboard. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you know, I think I needed that as well. I, I had so much momentum. Just, I was going from one thing to the next, obviously training for the Paralympics. And then that overlapped with dancing with the stars. And I think when dancing with the stars, was coming to an end, I thought, what else am I going to throw myself into? I want to keep this momentum going. I don't want to just, you know, come to a dead stop and, and wonder what's next. I, I, I want to keep it going. And I'm so grateful um, that I that I got that deadline because I I needed something to throw myself into. And, and we were able to do it. And I had um, an incredible writer who helped who helped me with the book. And um, I, I ended up going to New York. We did about 50 hours of um, audio talking, basically storytelling. Um, and we just started writing the story. And, and I had already had the majority of it written. Um, I had a lot of journals I had done. I had a lot of, you know, um, just stories over time that I had written down that I knew would be in the book. I just needed help with how you then put it all together. So it all flows. And um, so that's where my writer was able to help me, help me do that. And I, I'm so grateful that we, we did it. <laughs> we put yeah, it on it's, paper. It's, it's out book. there. And I have it, I have it in, in front of me. So we're going to, and the picture of you on the cover is amazing too. Oh, thank you. And that's actually, it's funny. The photo looks um, photoshopped, but that's actually right outside of my house. Um, we have this beautiful lake and, and that was just this beautiful rock that kind of sat over the lake with the mountains in the background. And, um, you know, just really grateful to be able to be able to, uh, I don't know, going into writing this book, I'd, I had always heard that <clears throat> you don't always get a lot of control because of editing and sorry, I'm taking a little bit here. <laughs> well, I but, um, yeah, but your story is so unique that there's no one who could, possibly not give you you know let you tell your story so the, the control is yeah. just 
it's you. It's, it's your story. It, and, you know, you know, it's interesting. Exactly. I mean, I, I know a survivor, you know, I've worked with survivors and, and even doing my own book. Um, and she told me she was being wheeled into surgery for breast cancer and she noticed an exit sign. And it's, and she said, I just wanted to run away, but she didn't. And she said she stayed. And after that, she felt a much strong, she became a much stronger person. And she said, if she could get through that, she could get through anything and nothing scared her anymore. And what I love, you had mentioned in the book, you made a list of three goals for your life and and you did already mention one of them. And one is you will never feel sorry for yourself. You're not a victim. Two is you will snowboard again, which is what you said. Uh, You didn't, you didn't know how, but you'd find a way. And three, you would help others because you want to show that life goes on. And you know, I always think that we do have an inner strength that, that you know, when it's when, when we have to, when it's called, when we have to survive, we do. Um, but do you think that that we do? I mean, that's my feeling. But do you really think that all of us have it in us to survive situations if we really? I, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, um, you know, people share my story quite a bit and, and think, oh, my gosh, I could never do what she did or how did she do it? And the way that I feel, I feel like this is something that we all have. It's it's all, you know, inside of us. We all have, for one, so much potential to do so much with our lives. Um, I don't think we even, you know, begin to tap into the potential that we all have. And, and when it comes to surviving challenging situations, um, I mean, for me, I feel like, I, I, I was in survival mode and, and this part of me that did have the strength kicked in that I wouldn't have even known was there. And then once you know it's there, you can never forget that. You can never go back on it. So I think that's what's helped me jump into snowboarding, jump into competition, jump into, you know, Dance with the Stars, writing a book, having that belief that I've experienced it before. I know that that strength is in there. Um, I think... The thing that's interesting is a lot of times you have to go through something really tragic or traumatic to figure out figure out what you're really made of. And, and I think wouldn't it be amazing if we, we could just know it? We don't have to go through. We have to go through it to hit rock or, bottom, yes, until, yeah. until we know it. Yeah, but that's, right. um, and you know, it's funny, I've told many people that we're going to be on the show today and the reaction was um, – I'll I'll never complain about anything ever again. Of course, I won't tell them that you said that you, you complain about things. So well, we'll, keep, you know, we'll keep that between us and our listeners. Um, you know, I think about that though too. I meet, um, you know, I have been through a lot. Yes, at 19, I lost my legs. I lost my kidney function. I lost, I lost the life that I knew. I, you know, was 83 pounds in a wheelchair and trying to figure out what the rest of my life is going to be like. But I look at other people who have gone through worse than I have. I meet people on a daily basis who have gone through worse than I have, especially working with our organization, Adaptive Action Sports, and being aware of um, meningitis and how how bad of a disease it really is. I pulled out in great condition, only losing my legs, only losing my kidneys, um, my spleen and my hearing. On top of that, but <laughs> me, I... I pulled out in great condition because I've met other people who have lost their arms. They've lost their legs. They've lost, you know, to me so much more. And, and I think the same thing, I think I'm never complaining again. So that's why I say it's, it's just all relative, but it's, um, you know, it's great. It's great to just be able to put things in perspective, I think, you know, and, um, I'll complain at times because it's human, 
but I don't complain about my situation. I, I, that I made a choice not to do that. So I, I've never really allowed myself to go there, but you know, I complain about, you know, having to wake up at five in the morning and what am I going to eat today? And, you know, just like the day to day things, you know, we all complain and we all take things for granted just because it's, it's kind of human nature to do that. It is. But Lori could tell you, I complain about just about everything. <laughs> so, But, you know, you've also met people whose lives you have changed because of your story or knowing about you. So it's, it's, you're very special, Amy Purdy. Uh, and, and your story urges you. us to live life to the fullest because we are a lot more capable than we can ever imagine. And that's a wonderful message that, that you have <laughs> um, shared with us in your book. So thank you you so much uh, for being with us. Tell our listeners where about your campaign one more time. It's takeactionagainstmeningitis.com, right? Right. Yep. Okay. Yep, once again, so they can go there to get more information on meningococcal meningitis, make a pledge that they'll talk to their doctors about how to protect themselves and their kids. once again, if they make a pledge, it helps to bring funds into the organization that I started, Adaptive Action Sports. And um, and then also my book, On My Own Two Feet, it's it's sold pretty much, you know, I'm pretty sure every bookstore. But, um, but yeah, all of that, you know, is great support. So thank you to everybody. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. It was a great pleasure to talk to you, and it was a great honor to meet you. Um, Everyone, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Lori, as always, for being with us. Uh, This is Jane Wilkins Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.